Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosser. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Russell Hanby to our program, our regular weekly guest on What's Making News. Welcome to Viewpoints again, Russell Hanby. Thanks, Henry. How are you today? I'm pretty good. What about yourself? Yeah, pretty good, thanks, yes. Uh, you sure? Yes. Yeah, no, no, you don't no. sound sure. <laughs> oh, yes, very sure. <laughs> <laughs> are you as sure of how well you feel as how well your football team's going? Well, we haven't started yet, so we're going well right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a level playing field, Russell. Did you have any homework or did you get off? And I keep I don't keep notes on everything. And I, I can't remember you were preemptive the other week and you were ahead of the game on homework. Did you Did you have any homework? No, no, because we found out what happened to the thieves of the uh, toilet rolls, which is quite topical now. Uh, in uh, Hong Kong, uh, you said you let me off that week, yeah. Yeah, and the, the irony of all that is that that's become a broader issue, hasn't it? It has, yes. So, uh, uh, in this, this week particularly, hasn't it? Well, you can only buy Woolworths, I think, and Coles, or some of them are saying you can only buy no more than two rolls or four rolls, depending which store you're talking about. Yeah. What, why is there such a run, no pun intended, on <laughs> toilet paper? I think I heard that, uh, obviously, if you are isolated, should the worst come to the worst, um, then you'll need toilet paper because I think diarrhoea could be one of these symptoms. Oh, and, uh, right. And I think people are stacking up for that 14 days, you know. So what are you yeah. stacking up on? <laughs> well, well, we had a pair bit over some last time, so I didn't need to do much. <laughs> Anything else you're stacking up on, like chewing gum or something? No, 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 just uh, steady as she goes at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one, um, coronavirus, because it's. Um, they reckon the numbers appear to be peaking or have peaked in uh, China, but they're still growing elsewhere. It's an interesting phenomenon, isn't it? It is, yes. It is. So no homework for you? Well, that's good. Um, You didn't suffer withdrawal symptoms. You're not one of these uh, crazy for homework students, are you? No, no, not really, no. (laughs) Could have a break sometimes. It is, it is. I never loved homework. (laughs) I think I tried to get out of it as much as possible. And ironically, here I am a school principal now. Uh, Although we have a voluntary... um, homework policy at our school that's and our parents support that and that is that homework can set but if the families don't want the kids to have homework they don't uh, they just send us a note and the kids don't have to do it um, oh, right. yeah well we did, we've done surveys over the years russell and um our communities are pretty polarized about 50 percent fervently support it and about 50 percent have great qualms about it for differing reasons. It's uh, it's an interesting one. It, it certainly gets people's um, emotions up, doesn't it? Yes. So does that mean that what fifty percent of the kids don't do homework, or, no. or more than that do it? No. Ironically, the fifty. Well, they've got to send me a letter if they want their kids not to do homework. Um, no, very few do that. Even though many. Um, don't support the value of homework, uh, and a lot of research shows actually, Russell, ironically, that homework for young children doesn't make much of a difference to their academic performance, which is interesting. What about things like home reading for the very young ones? Well, reading's always a good thing, you know. um, It depends, I guess, on what you call homework too, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, homework has got a long history of, you know, your teacher's giving you work you don't want to do and it's boring and you've got to sit there and slog through writing answers or reading and writing answers. It's it's not often presented as an enjoyable activity, is it? 
or has no, it been and, historically? And, no, and, and I think in the past it was regarded as homework was good just for the sake of it. You know, that yes, it yes, and it breeds good habits and the, the discipline, etc., etc. Yes, there's been all those things. Anyway, we've got what's making news, and it's not homework because we've avoided that, we'll start with government to deliver stimulus as fallout bites. This is in the age, Russell. The Morrison government is set to deliver within days an economic stimulus package to help businesses hold on to their staff, building on the Reserve Bank's interest rate cut to a new record low to ease the financial fallout of, as we discussed, the coronavirus outbreak. What do you make of that? Do you reckon it'll work? Well, it's hard to know. We don't know the full details of this. As you say, it does follow the passing of a quarter of a percentage point by, uh, from the RBA, which was followed up by the main banks. But uh, the Treasury and other government agencies are going to work on a targeted plan focusing on jobs, cash flow and investment. And the package to be out in a couple of weeks will be geared towards helping business maintain their cash flow so they can re- retain staff and also support other areas that are affected uh, by the virus, such as tourism and education and exporters. But as I say, we don't know the details of this uh, stimulus package yet, do we? No, the interesting thing for me, Russell, with it is, OK, you can put the money out there and you can cut interest rates, but if coronavirus is still, or COVID-19 as it's called, is still out there and growing, isn't that a, a blocker to economic growth through the sheer fear factor and also through the travel restrictions uh, and uh, the flow of goods and services between certain countries? Yes, I think, you think it would be. Sort of, uh, they're at odds with each other almost, aren't they? The two, uh, the, sort of the package to try to get us out and the effect of it. I, I guess they're trying to overcome some of these things, like people aren't travelling now overseas so much and, uh, and a lot of students uh, from China can't come and do their university or study courses here, school courses. So, yeah, so um, how does I, it I don't, know whether, I don't know if they're just going to throw money at these uh, organisations to make up for their shortfall or in the cash side of it or not. Mm, no, I just think, it, look, look, anything to make, a, to, to get the economy going, because a lot of people suffer in this. It's just interesting that um, how that stimulus package beyond being a subsidy to get people through tough times is actually going to generate economic activity when there are structures and processes in place that uh, would be working against it. Uh, But, Russell, we're not economists and we're not politicians, are we? No, we're not. Do you want to be a politician? As a result of... uh can you probably hear the birds outside, cockatoos and things? I'm sitting in the car in the street because uh, we've got painters in today and this is the quietest place for me to be. Um, and I can hear galahs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, out there, there's a big gum no, tree next joking. to me, yeah. yeah. No, I can't hear anything out there other than the dulcet tones of Russell Handy. Oh, right. <laughs> there you right. go. You did avoid my last question, but I can understand you don't want to speak about it. What was that? He doesn't remember what the question is. We'll let that one slip. Our listeners will know what it is, Russ. That'll be your homework. Ah, that's a good one. Homework for next week. That'll mean that you'll certainly be a listener to the program because you'll have to find out what was the question I asked you that you didn't answer. Now, that's a different sort of homework, isn't it? that's right. It forces one to listen, doesn't it? Yes, 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 yes. I'll have to listen too to make sure I can remember what the question is. I'll probably cause myself problems there. Um, The sneaky tricks we get up to, Russell. Um, What's going on with toxic dirt? 
Yes, toxic dirt ants. This was in the Herald Sun. And uh, trucks carrying toxic soil will drive into a landfill site northwest of Melbourne every six minutes if it is chosen to store the spoil from the Westgate uh, Tunnel Project. A maddeningly brown coal in Bacchus Marsh looms as the front runner to take the dirt, which is contaminated uh, with the industrial chemical PFAS, PFAS, when digging begins on the problem-plagued project. We've heard of this PFAS in the news uh, quite a lot lately, haven't we? Yeah, what is uh, it? Yeah, they, what, what's uh, that acronym for? Uh, oh, I didn't know, but it's, uh, I can't remember. Homework looming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've got two bits of homework. Now you might have to take a, a break from doing all that gardening your wife's got you doing to get all this done. Shouldn't it, it doesn't pay to have a week off, Russ. No, that's right. More the next time. Anyway, this Mirable Council wants information about the potential risks for the community, impact on their roads and environment, and the reputation as a major food provider for mm. Melbourne. Now, Transurban, the company who are sort of running this, uh, reassured residents the soil would not present a risk to human health or the environment, and that the soil is expected to have low levels of this PFAS. And uh, Transurban says there would be minimal amenity impacts or, and uh, no dust, odour and minimal waste. Uh, I don't know how quite they can guarantee that, but it'll be interesting to see. They do have some measures in place, to create earth walls and dust suppression methods, specialist drainage, pipes to protect groundwater system, trucks avoiding homes at night, and a complaint hotline. So they're trying to sort of beat it off at the pass a bit, aren't they? Mm. So what they're doing, in effect, is taking some toxic soil from one place and putting it somewhere else. That's right, moving from A to B. <laughs> and of course, no matter where they put it, some people are going to not like it in their vicinity, are they? Most people That's true, and are we going to find in a few years or decades' time that someone wants to build a school or something there and there's floods or underground springs and there's leaching of the, uh, what is it, PFAS? PFAS, yes. PFAS, that you're going to find out what it is? Yes, yes. We'll take a short break. Russ, don't go away. Back to Viewpoints, this is I'm your host, Henry Grosko, in the middle of a discussion on what's making news with Russell Hanby. Welcome back, Russ. Thanks, Henry. Uh, Russell, spy in the sky to beat the blazes, firefighting by satellite. This is in the Herald Sun. An infrared satellite is being designed by scientists to identify bushfire risks and to measure fuel loads. Yes, this is a good innovation. Um, the shoebox-sized satellite, so it's not very big, uh, developed by Australian National University's uh, Institute for Space. Now, that will uh, measure vegetation, moisture levels, detect changes in highly flammable plants and trees to help them plan back-burning operations in high-risk areas. And Dr. Marty Yebra said that the world-first deployment of such technology could cut the number of bushfires, and uh, that's a great idea if it does, isn't it? Oh, that's an excellent idea. It's amazing how we're moving forward with the use of technology, particularly in that field of satellites, robots, drones, um, not only for the destructive side of warfare, but also for um, good in fire, firefighting and, and a whole lot of other things, Russ. Yes, that's right. And from the air, it can 
identify high volumes of dry fuel loads, a plot like the firepower scale. What they did, they used high-resolution infrared images and data that they sent back to the ground uh, people of the fuel conditions, and that's going to help firefighters uh, actually at the front line, isn't it? Oh, abs- interesting. absolutely. They call a group, apparently, of satellites as a constellation, which is probably quite a good word for a group of satellites, isn't it? Uh, well, yes, the constellation refers often to what a grouping of stars? Stars, yes. What's your favourite uh, constellation? Oh, I suppose we'd have to go for the uh, the Milky Way, wouldn't we, up there? Would that's we? A const- that's a, unless you mean the well, things like the Southern Cross and the uh, Saucepan and all that. Uh, ah, the so what's uh, the one? difference between the Milky Way and, the, <laughs> as you put it, the Saucepan? <laughs> In the sky. Well, or one is one is about ten. <laughs> Homework ten, looming. One is about ten <laughs> spots, and the Milky Way is a huge collection of uh, uh, groups of uh, stars, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's hoped to have a constellation of such satellites monitoring Australia by 2022, which is only two years off. So that'll be good uh, if it does come into fruition, won't it? Yes. Yeah. Just writing all this down, more homework for Russell. Anyway, moving on, Russell, to number four. Right. Yes. Uh, yeah, yes. Uh, why children aren't getting uh, sick like adults. This is, uh, again, referring to the coronavirus uh, events. A 10-year-old boy travels to Wuhan, the Chinese epicentre of the coronavirus outbreak, on a holiday with his family. He returns to Shenzhen in southeastern China, where his five adult family members succumb to high fevers, sore throats, diarrhoea and pneumonia. Well, days pass and the boy shows no symptoms, but a chest scan, however, does show signs of viral pneumonia in his lungs, according Mm. to the the Lancet uh, magazine. And uh, so the question is, why do children perhaps uh, not get as sick like adults? And there have been various theories put through, haven't there? There have been um, various theories. Which one's one of the more popular ones? Well, statistically, of more than 44,000 cases in China, less than 1% have been in children nine years old or younger, and no children have died, and they suffer no, uh, or, or if they do suffer any symptoms, they're very mild. Well, Professor Alan Cheng, the director of the Infection Prevention Unit at the Alfred Health, he suspects that maybe children are are mainly not getting infected at all, or if they are getting it, they don't come to hospital because they have far milder symptoms than adults. Mm. Now, the big worry is, are children super spreaders if they're not sick? In other words, they may be carriers, and if they infect, say, adults, they can suffer more. Mm. And, he, and, and the postulate, uh, if not being infected, well, there's no need to, in the future, close schools or other groups of children, but if they are getting infected and perhaps with little symptoms, there may be temporary closing schools maybe on the cards. This is looking ahead in the future a little bit, isn't it? Mm, yeah, there's a variety of theories, uh, Russell. Ones you didn't mention are that children have healthier lungs because they haven't had as much exposure to things such as cigarettes and pollution or that lower doses of the virus... Um, uh, infiltrate their systems. There's a variety, but they're all theories they they don't know. What's interesting about this one, when you look back at the Spanish flu, which killed between 40 and 50 million people a long time ago, Russell, um, more than 70 years ago, and, and well, actually nearly 100 years ago, 80, 90 years ago, Spanish flu, um, 
was that that predominantly killed young people, younger adults, and whereas this one affects old and perhaps more frail people, particularly men. Interesting yes. difference, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And why so? So uh, it's hard to know, but those uh, suggestions we said that why the two different diseases would have a different effect. Uh, I mean, I don't know, must be different types of uh, germs, as it were, mustn't it? Absolutely. Now, I'm going to help you out here, Russ. You've got enough homework on the plate. The difference between a constellation uh, and the Milky Way, well, you thought it might have been one and the same thing. Um, A constellation is a cluster of stars that form some sort of imaginary shape that we we connect the dots on, um, like like, uh, the Southern Cross, for example. Yeah, and the saucepan, we used to say. And the saucepan, yes, Orion's Belt. Lots of yep. the Pegasus, or lots of them, whereas um, the Milky Way is a galaxy of stars. Oh, yes, right. So it doesn't have a particular shape or anything, does no. it? And usually a lot more than stars discernible, no doubt. Absolutely. you seen stars lately? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that saucepan hasn't late. got the better of you, has it? No, it hasn't. Not yet. <laughs> and we'll wind up on the odd spot, Russell. This one's quite funny. Yes. Uh, As they all yeah. are, actually. European researchers believe they have solved one of science's most pressing mysteries, why dogs' noses are cold. It turns out they're heat detectors, which can detect very faint sources of warmth, such as small animals, from 1.5 metres away. A team from Sweden and Hungary studied three dogs, Kevin, Delphi and Charlie, and found all three could, by just using their noses, detect stimuli of weak thermal radiation. So they're sort of doggy heat detectors, the nose, not just the smell. That's amazing. You know, the senses, I mean, humans have got, uh, we've got powerful senses, but on any one of them, there are animals that um, can uh, outperform us in terms of effectiveness and efficiency in use of their um, their different senses, aren't there? There are, yes. So, uh it's amazing what we find out each day. That's quite an interesting odd spot, isn't it? That one? Well, they're all interesting. The thing, well, that one's a sort of seems like a scientific factual one. Some of the others we've done, you wonder whether it's a make-up story just to entertain us. Yeah, they tend to, they tend to go around the world doing various uh, papers and that, don't they, once they start? Mm. Well, that's it. Time's up, Russell. I'm going to let you go out there with your hot nose and see if you can <laughs> detect some cold work to do. Right, so it was PFAS and... Uh, PFAS uh, and... Well, you did the Milky Way for me. Was there another one in the middle somewhere? Yeah, you're going to listen to your own program. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and find out what was the question I asked that you so um, adeptly and adroitly sidestepped. And I never okay. asked you it again. There was the question at the end of the first uh, item, I think. So Somewhere I'll... near the first half, yes. There's a question yeah. in there. So you can listen to your beautiful voice. And <laughs> ruminate on the uh, question. You can actually have an answer to the question too. Yeah, I was there, yeah. <laughs> you poor it man. <laughs> well, oh, well, I'll have to find out what that's all about. Absolutely. Well, listen, you have a great weekend and we'll catch you next week at the same time. Okay, well, look forward to that. That was Russell Handy. What's making news? He's a great scout, poor bloke. I give him so much homework. I'm amazed he's coming back for more. What's that old term, a beggar for punishment? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> We'll take a short break, listeners. Don't go away. 